0: I'm Susie Gerhardt, and you're listening to The Grotto Pod. So today's Grotto Pod guest is books podcaster, Tracy Thomas. Over at The Stacks, Tracy talks with writers, but the catch is that she doesn't talk to them only about their books. Yeah they talk together about other people's books. Yeah. Um, it's it's super great stuff. They've been educating us well for a few years now. I'm a, a recent convert, and I binge-listened last week because I knew you were coming, and it's it's really an amazing show. So anyway, Tracy, welcome
1: to Grotto Pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Of
0: course, yeah. Um, so Tracy was just in at the Grotto for lunch, and um, people loved her so much It. I was kind of worried they were going to hold her hostage. (laughs) But we were able to move her from the lunchroom into the little grotto pod studio here. So I apologize in advance, Tracy. Some of these questions, I know you've heard before, but let's just start at the beginning. You know, how did you decide to start a literary podcast? How did
1: books come to be the thing you most wanted to spend time with? Hmm, That's a good question. So how the podcast came to be is that I was reading and was kind of two parts. I was reading and I was posting about my reading and people – I live in L.A. and people were coming up to me and telling me, oh, have you read this? Or, oh, my God, I also read that book and I loved it. And I kind of thought, this L.A., nobody reads. It's so weird that people are talking to me about their reading life. There must be a space missing. There must be a need to talk about books that isn't being filled in their day-to-day life so that's kind of part one and then part two is that I read this amazing book called Blood in the Water by Heather Ann Thompson and it's about the Attica prison uprising and I read it and I was like asking everyone I knew to talk to me about it and talk about Attica and nobody knew anything or really wanted to read the book and I was like I should just make my own podcast where I can pick the books and everybody has to read what I want to read and they can all come talk to me so selfishly that's kind of how the podcast started. And I just, I told some friends and I said, I'm going to make a podcast about books. Hold me to it. I'm so glad you did. I mean,
0: I too had a great experience with the content in that book, not from actually reading it, which I wish I had, um, but from hearing about it on the radio. I mean, just incredible stories. And it was like, I also wanted to just run out in the streets and say, please, somebody, yeah, Um, this is so fascinating. And, you know, It occurs to me that, you know, reading can be a kind of lonely activity. And life can be a lonely activity. And there's a sort of, like, loneliness epidemic happening. Right. Um, At the same time, podcasts are getting really, really popular. And I I really am so fascinated by the community-building aspect of your podcast. Um, It's not just, like, I'm lonely, I'm taking my walk, I'm listening to your incredible voice, your amazing ideas. Um, You actually have, like, a books community where you know,
1: people are sharing their own thoughts as well. Can you tell me about like sort of the marketing and integration? So there's a kind of a little corner of Instagram called Bookstagram, hashtag Bookstagram. And it's basically people who love reading and they share their love of reading and they share their book reviews and they talk about books that are meaningful to them or books they've just read that really annoyed them. And I kind of, When I decided to start the podcast, I created an account, an Instagram account for the show at the Stacks Pod, follow me. And I started meeting people and connecting with people through Bookstagram. And I realized that while we're all across the country and across the world reading the same books, like, we could be talking to each other about it. So that was kind of something that happened organically. And in the beginning, I maybe thought it was going to be more strategic, like, I was going to infiltrate this world and, like, get them all to love me. But then I started connecting with people. And now I'm like, these are some of my friends. Like, I got to, like, when I go to other cities, I meet people that I've met. Through that. So that's all been kind of part of the show that I really like because ultimately the idea was to have a place where we talked about books. So I get to do that through social media and then obviously with my guests in person when we do the show.
0: And speaking of your guests, they aren't just authors, they're, you know, actors. Yeah. I'm sure there are many kinds of guests I haven't encountered yeah. yet since I'm a fairly new listener. But it is so refreshing to hear new voices at the center of the conversation. So, in my little binge listening project <laughs> last week, I, you know, came across the Never Let Me Go discussion Ooh, with Clark Moore. So good, He's and so great. he is great. You're great. Um, but I just got to say what one of the things I love so much is the sort of honesty in discussing the book. So we know at the outset that you're going to pretty much like the book, but you guys talk for a while about the like the really meh. Like feeling yeah. that... Well, we don't always like the book. Sometimes we don't like the book a lot. Which is very important. <laughs> it's really important because we trust you. Yeah. Um, But I liked how he was talking about how it took him a while to come up to speed.
1: But, yeah, that it was a slow start. Yeah. No, we talk about books. So, I mean, the truth is I, I would be... It would make me sad if people didn't trust my opinion since I spend so much time giving, giving it. So I try to be really honest if I like a book or if I don't like a book. And also, if even if I love a book, there might be something that I really didn't like about it. Like There might be a character that really annoyed me, and we'll talk about that. Um, if you want to hear an episode where we talk about a book we really didn't like, you can go back. When I talked to Nicole Thurman, we did a book that's really popular. They're making it into a movie or a TV show. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed. People love it. I picked it because everyone said it was a great thriller, and I hated the book but it's one of my favorite episodes because we have this really funny great honest conversation about what works and what doesn't work and what we like about a thriller and what we don't and so even if we don't actually like the book I think that we try to have conversations that are honest and interesting and even if because one of the things I hate is when I love a book and someone's like that book was bad and I hate it and stupid and they're just mean about it so I try not to be mean about a book I try to be honest and constructive and at least give examples and be specific. I think that's important when you're critiquing any kind of art, whether it's a movie or a painting or a book or whatever.
0: It was kind of fun at lunch a few minutes ago when we brought up the idea of negative reviews. to just see the sort of ashen look on people's faces like writers are terrified of negative reviews but the way that you discuss books that you don't like is very fair and, and, is, and you approach it in a really interesting way. Another of the recent Conversations that I really enjoyed with was, was the one with Kim Brooks, mm. um, and the moment in it when she was talking about being a female student at Iowa Writers' Workshop, yeah. um, and she was saying her colleagues were, you know, many of them were men writing about themes that literary men tend to return to, such as baseball. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> it's true. She did say that. <laughs> so, you know what are what are some of your priorities in finding guests? Mm. Will the person sit down with me for two hours, which is kind of logistical, but also if you're not willing to sit down with me to talk about books for two hours, you're probably not the right guest for the show. Like if you don't feel like you have two hours of book talk in you. I try to find guests that are diverse. I try to be inclusive. I try to have, and diverse in all sorts of ways, whether it's, you know, racially or uh, sexual identity or orientation, different ability levels. I try to find people who are seeing the world different than the person I had on the week before. Um, I don't do a perfect job of this. I can always do better, but it's something that I do think about when I look for guests. Also diversity in their reading taste, diversity in their job or lack thereof or their passion or whatever it is. I try to find people who are reading differently because how you see the world is how you read a book. And so I try to include people. Some people are really similar to me and some people are really different than me, which I think is fun both ways. So.
0: Yeah, and to really prepare to sit down and kind of hash it out. Yeah. So speaking of which, I was – the Toni
1: Morrison beloved conversation. Oh, my God. Is that not the greatest episode? And I can't even take credit. Damaris B. Hill, she wrote, A Bound Woman is a Dangerous Thing. She is a genius. I could cry. She just was so great. She I she taught me so much. That was a book that I didn't really think that I liked going into it. I hadn't read it before, but I didn't really enjoy the reading process. And then sitting down with her, I was like, oh my god, I have to pick this up again tomorrow because I need to reread it because she taught me so much and it was amazing. No,
0: exactly. I mean I feel like I need to re-listen to the episode, not just because it was entertaining and I just love the way that both of you talked about it, but there were just so it was so dense with ideas. Um, but, is, yeah, as is a conversation like that, I mean, I'm not saying you should be intimidated at all. But, I'm so intimidated. But, yeah, is it intimidating <laughs> uh-huh, to prepare course. for?
1: Yeah, because that one that one specifically, I mean, the one thing I will say lucky for me is that going into that, Toni Morrison was still alive. So I didn't have the pressure of reading a book of someone that's so beloved. No pun intended, (laughs) by the world. And I had a not amazing first read of the book, and I didn't have that pressure over me. I still had a lot of pressure as a black woman reading a book by Toni Morrison, who is, you know, the queen, as people call her, the queen mother. Um, So I was intimidated in that way. And then I knew that Damaris loved the book, I knew it was like her third or fourth read. Um, when we picked the book so I was really worried I was gonna offend her or I was gonna sound stupid which you did not but that's just I mean I'm I'm insecure I'm only human and I'm not a writer and I'm not an English major and I'm not any of those things so sometimes when we do books that are you know classics and have a lot going on I sometimes I'm like I'm I'm too stupid for this <laughs> which I mean I you know, I say that kind of jokingly, but also that insecurity comes with it because I am putting out my opinion about these books and trying to tie it to bigger issues. And so sometimes I do feel really inadequate. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, I got this episode, like like when we did the ta Coates episode way, way back with Jay Connor, we did Between the World and Me. And I went into that episode feeling like, I feel really good about this episode. I feel like I can speak to this episode. I feel like Jay is going to be able to speak to this episode. And it was another one that I love, but I came in in a totally different way than the Beloved episode. Yeah, you really feel like a kind
0: of um, the listener's advocate. Um, You know, you're obviously incredibly intelligent, but you have a real natural touch Mm -hmm. for what an average reader might be considering or thinking like you really bring us along with you thank you cool all right here's a little bit of a third rail
1: that we touched in the uh (laughs) oh gosh okay
0: (laughs) lunch top five
1: fiction books of yours okay this is really hard for me because i love nonfiction. so there's not that many books that are top tier to me that are fiction for me i would say never let me go is one of my favorites I would say The Kite Runner um, and slash or A Thousand Splendid Sons. I don't know. We can combine those in one, I guess. Um, I would say Charlotte's Web. I would say Gone with the Wind, which I know is very controversial, and I recognize it's not really part of my brand, but I love the book. And I don't know, James and the Giant Peach. Can I do all kids books? Oh, I don't know. That's amazing. I could tell you. like books had an imprint on you at a certain age. Yeah, for sure. And
0: we're going to keep my um, guilty pleasures secrets (laughs) intact, but I share many of those as it's a very eclectic list, and it shows that people have really personal attachments to books. So let's just pull something out, like pull something, a personal attachment maybe that you had to
1: any one of those, just a weird quirky reason for loving Hmm. something. I don't know. I mean, so I loved Gone with the Wind, the film always my dad and I used to watch it together love it love the movie love the costumes like ugh. and I think that I loved the movie before I understood slavery obviously because I don't know that I would love the movie or the book had I had I entered my life once I knew a lot about it and so when I read the book I was just like oh this is the part where she wears the white and green dress with the big straw hat and they tie the but like I just was so into it I just loved it I don't know I just loved it <laughs> It's so funny because, yeah, um, I can
0: remember being shown the film when I was young and just being like, the costumes.
1: So good. I feel like I saw the costumes. I think we went to the Smithsonian and some of them were there. And I remember being like, I've definitely seen the red dress in person, but I can't remember where we were. But it was a major life moment for me. It was also a major moment when I went from liking the white and green dress because I used to like that one the best, to liking the red dress. I think I, like, <laughs> went through puberty or something, and I was like, no, I like the red dress at the end at the party for Ashley. <sighs> Need to take these into our therapist's
0: office and discuss further. And then we we talked a little bit about nonfiction at lunch, too, but since yeah. that's
1: your true passion do you want my, yeah. my faves? Okay. So I that's harder for me. I love certain authors. Um, the reason that I even found the Writer's Grotto and came here is because of Julia Shears, who wrote Jesus Land and then A Thousand Lives, which are two of my favorite books. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to my podcast, you've probably heard me talk about them. Also Columbine Columbine by Dave Cullen, amazing. Um, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, which they're making into a movie which comes out in December with Michael B. Jordan, and I just if they are making a movie of my life you better believe i'd try to get michael b jordan to play me too um what else do i love oh john krakauer i love john krakauer under the banner of heaven um is one of my favorites but my real true favorite of his is uh where men win glory about pat tillman it's the one that nobody reads anymore, but it's so good. I read that. So
0: good. I read all of his. I read all of his books. Um, and the Pat Tillman was so, it's so amazing.
1: I just call it my Pat Tillman book. <laughs> and then I guess I don't know. That's probably more than five. But the other one I would throw out is Helter Skelter by Vincent <sighs> Bugliosi. I love that book. Let's go back to Brian Stevenson for a second. Yeah. Um. He is just the most amazing storyteller. Yeah, he's a. Maybe a perfect human. I don't know. Is that going too far? He's pretty close to perfect. Oh, wait. I would be remiss not to say one more book. Um, it's called The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, and it's about the uh, Black migration from the South to the north and the west from the 19 like from 1917 through the 1960s or so and it's amazing. So I have to say that one. San Francisco
0: where we're recording this features prominently in black migration. Yeah. But I haven't read that book. I'd be so interested it's because it's
1: amazing. It's a it's one of the most well reported, researched books ever. It's a big one. Don't be intimidated. I thought it had a slow start, but by the end I was I mean, couldn't put it down. It's amazing. So, yes. But Brian Stevenson is is an amazing human, and he's a great storyteller. And that book is, if you're interested in criminal justice at all, criminal justice reform, if you feel like you want to learn, it's a good place to start, uh, I would say. Yeah. I would love to just have another
0: 90 minutes to talk about each and every (laughs) one of those titles, but we're not going to be able to do that today. But it does occur to me with the warmth of other sons um, to ask you about the fact that you did grow up in Oakland.
1: I did. And you moved to L.A. Um, How long have you been in L.A.? So I grew up in Oakland. I went to college in New York and was there for eight years. And I've now been in L.A. for about seven years. And I moved back to L.A., back to California, to L.A. with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, for his residency. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, But when you come back here, you know, I'm saying here as the Bay Area. We're in San Francisco right now.
1: Um, How does it look to you? Huh. I don't know. I don't really... I go home. I go to my mom's house. I go to my brother's house. Um, It's changed, for sure. It's definitely... um, That's tough. It's different than what it was. Oakland has really changed a lot in the last... I mean, I left in 2004. So since then, it's changed a lot. I mean, obviously, tech and all of that coming in has changed the city and the surrounding areas. Um, and it's whiter. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. It's also, weirdly, I feel more conservative. And I think maybe that's because people are coming from other places to the Bay Area. And so it's more, not necessarily politically conservative, but just kind of in general, people are less, I don't know, less connected, less interested in a lot of the things that I feel like When I grew up, the Bay Area was really proud of, like, being people who engage with other humans. So some of that's probably tech, and some of that's probably coming from other places, and not to disparage other places, but it's just different, I think. Yeah, it has a a, a really
0: different vibe. And since I've lived here continuously for, I think, 30 years, and my partner grew up in the Western Edition, things happen, you know, bit by bit, and you don't realize it. Then you go elsewhere and come back, and it's like, oh wow, this place has really changed. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sweatshirts with um, college names on the front, worn unironically. <laughs>
1: That's probably very true.
0: And company names on the front, worn unironically. Yeah. Which is all right. How is it that you do your interviews? What's the space like?
1: Physically? Yeah. Um, we do it at my house normally. Right now we're renovating, so some of the next few months of episodes are going to be in other places. But normally at my house, at my my dining room table... And it's me and my guest in my makeshift podcast studio, which is just some microphones. And yeah, it's very i, I don't know—I made it up as I went along. Let's just picture being at a dining room <laughs> table right now, because the
0: place that we're in is like um, a little
1: smaller. Yeah, it's—it's it's a closet. It's cozy though. I like it. it as acoustic foam. Yeah.
0: But um, you know, it went from being something you invented to something that's part of a big network. Yeah.
1: Yeah which is cool. I mean, I never thought people would really, I kind of always thought it would be my mom and my husband and like a few friends. So the people that I have connected with through the podcast and the people, the reach, like some, I remember the first author who ever reached out to me about wanting to come on the show was Joe Piazza. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She Her most recent book is called Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. Um, but I remember I like called my husband and I was like, an author wants to come on the podcast. <laughs> like It's my dream. And I'm not sure when this episode will air, but um, on September 23rd, I have an episode coming out with Ibram Kendi and he is, uh, he writes about race in America and he is on my, he was on my original bucket list before I ever did an episode. And so I got to interview him and Dave Cullen, both were on that list. And so that has been really special to me, like having made a physical list of people that I wanted to interview and being able to check two of them off. And while I haven't had Julia on the podcast yet, she's also on that list. Yeah, she's an incredible writer. So like, what what's the biggest unexpected thing that's happened that people listen to the show that I don't know? No, truly. I truly thought it would be like... I would be, like, I remember the first episode we had, like, 300 downloads, and I was like, whoa, 300 people? (laughs) Like, I don't even know 300 people. Um, So that's been really surprising. And also just, again, like, the the way that I've been able to connect with people and then also authors and how generous everyone has been with their time. Because I know two hours is a big ask, and people do that, plus they read a book with me and they talk with me and they're very open. And I haven't really run into any interviews where the guest has been didn't want to answer a question or you know so I've been very lucky to have that as well
0: you have a very charismatic open personality you
1: have yeah. another line of work do you want to talk at all about yeah that? I teach fitness I don't know I teach spin it's something else that I do but I it's so unrelated it's nice though because it's the total opposite of sitting on a couch and reading so I at least I get my physical output in my day as well as my my mental output in my day
0: but, you're, you know, I know people that, you know, basically fall in love with their spin instructor. Like they have, you know, spin instructors that have these incredible followings. I had yeah. um, a longtime editor of mine taught a spin class at the Oakland Y. Tommy, if you're out there. Um, <laughs> Hi, but, Tommy. You know, I know he had an amazing playlist and people really loved his class. I have another writer friend who is a trainer. And I think that there are characteristics of trainers that, carry over into just really wanting to communicate with people. Yeah, I think
1: that's true.
0: And and sort of inspire them. Oh, that's
1: that's nice. how we feel when we listen to your <laughs> show. That's nice of you to say that. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Alright,
0: I'm going to turn the page. Okay. Um. So here we are at the Writer's Grotto and people okay. are writing things that they would love for people to want to read. Yeah. So two questions you can choose okay. which you want to answer first but what do you want to read next? Hmm. And what do you want someone to finally write?
1: Ooh. Okay, I have the answer for what I want someone to write. And all that I ask, because this is on my personal bucket list, is if you do write this book, please thank me in the acknowledgments, because my dream is to be thanked in the acknowledgments of a book. I know it's really vain and stupid, but it's on my actual physical bucket list. That and meet President Barack Obama and officiate a wedding. So those are the things you guys can help me with. But my idea for a book, and it kind of ties into this. So Harvey Milk was assassinated 10 days before Jonestown. And those are two pieces of history that people know about, but are not often talked about together when we reflect on history. So I want someone to write a book about the many things that happened near one another in time in history that we don't think of. Like what was the big event that happened 10 days before 9/11. That is a great idea Isn't for a Is it book. a great book? Yeah. I want to know. I want to know what things, like what was going, what was the big cr- true crime story during Richard Nixon's you know, impeachment. There's a film that I teach sometimes at um,
0: University of San Francisco and also at University of California at Santa Cruz, um, which most people in the Bay Area have seen the Times of Harvey Milk. In that they do deal with a little bit.
1: San Francisco was already reeling from Jonestown. Right. Right. Um, Right. Well, I think things that are of that mm -hmm. moment do it a lot because they were so close and there was thought that Jonestown and Harvey Milk were connected because there had been the connection where the People's Temple had helped canvas for Harvey Milk, so there was that. But I think when we think back on that time, my mom's birthday is November 17th, which is the day before Jonestown, and I asked her like a year ago I was like what do you remember of this and then I asked her what do you remember of Harvey Milk and I was like do you remember them being close together or far apart she's like no I think they're a year or two apart but it was her birthday week like she remembers where she was but she doesn't remember them being linked because we don't really talk about them so much together unless we're talking about that 10-day stretch, you know? Yeah. No, it is it is so So that's my genius idea. If you're going to do it, just please, can you just say thank you and acknowledgements for this idea? <laughs> it's out there. Yeah. yeah. Please do. And um, then my, what I read, what I want, what I want to read next, huh, does it have to be new or is it going to be something that's been on my shelf for a while? It can be on your shelf for a while. Okay. So the thing that I want to read that I just keep putting off and I really want to read it is by Shane Bauer. It's called American Prison and he is most famous for being one of the Iran hikers, one of the Americans. Yeah. And um, he might be a Bay Area person. Yeah. And his new book, he goes and gets a job at a prison and he does undercover reporting and he works there for like six weeks before anybody figures out who he is. And he doesn't give them a fake name or anything. They just don't check. So that's a book that I really want to read that is out and has been out for a while. I just have not gotten to. I have it. My husband has read it before me. I'm mad about it, but that's one. And then one that Um, I'm looking forward to reading that doesn't isn't out in the world just yet is probably well I want to read ta Coates new book his novel The Water Dancer kind of because it's a novel so I kind of want to read it but I think I'm not going to like it we'll see there's a book that comes out in October called Movies and Other Things by Shea Serrano and he's written a book called The Rap Yearbook and another book called Basketball and Other Things and he's really funny and he's like comedian kind of journalisty guy and his books are great and this one's all about movies and I can't wait. He writes for The Ringer which is a sports and pop culture blog website and he also writes these books and so the first one was The Rap Yearbook and he went through every year since maybe 1979 and picked his number one rap oh, song. Oh I did yeah. And I so haven't then read. Basketball and Other Things was all about basketball and now this one is about movies and it comes out October 8th and I want to read it so bad. Three of all of our favorite topics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's been so great to have you in the booth. Thank you. Um,
0: there's a time limit in here because it gets so hot it's that, um, yeah, we have to let people go. That's our show for today. Thanks so much, Tracy, for coming by. Grotto Pod is produced by me, Susie Gerhard, George Higgins, Ben Marks, Daniel Pierce, and Beth Weingarner. The music is by Sugartown. Grotto Pod is concocted in-house here at the Writers Grotto in San Francisco. Please review and subscribe to GrottoPod Pod on iTunes or wherever you get your own podcasts. Thanks a lot for listening.
1: Amazing. Okay. That was so fun. Thank you.